Welcome to SaltCast. My name is Bob Turner, and I am the current director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, otherwise known as SALT. And today, we have a very special guest visiting from New York, a former resident of the Lubbock area, Thomas C.L. Thomas. Uh, Most everyone, I think, around here knows you, and anybody associated with Sunset knows you. But thank you. I know you're a busy man, and I know you've been busy uh, here at the workshop this week. But I appreciate you taking time to visit with us. Uh, I think the material we'll talk about will be beneficial to a lot of folks in a lot of ways. But as we kind of get started, I think for my benefit, and maybe for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background, your journey uh, coming out of the world into ministry, and that led you here to Sunset and the work here, and then obviously that led you then to New York and the work there with uh, the congregation at Roosevelt Freeport. Sure. Well, I'm I'm uh, actually a West Texas native. I, I grew up probably um, 15 miles, 12 to 15 miles from here, Slayton, Texas, a small town. And um, so Lubbock and Slayton have always been home for me growing up. When I was um, going to school at Texas Tech, I met my wife and um, converted her to Christ and then started converting my, my uh, neighborhood to Christ. And at some point, the preacher that was helping me said that you really need to go to school, you know. And we originally had moved away right after our marriage to a little town in um, East Texas, Meridian or so. Uh, I'm sorry, not Meridian. It was um, in the Waco area. While we were there, we ended up meeting a preacher who said the exact same thing. Y'all need to go to preaching school. So we went to Harding, went to Harding. And while we were at Harding, I was there for a year, got frustrated, felt like I wasn't having questions answered, wanted some just straight up Bible answers, couldn't get them. And long story short, one of our supporting congregations took us, supported us to go to the Tulsa workshop at the Tulsa workshop. I walked by this booth and it was Sunset School of Preaching booth, met Speedy Hart. And uh, said, so where is this Sunset School at? And he was like, Lubbock, Texas. And I was like, <laughs> Lubbock, Texas, that's home. And so uh, we decided to visit. And I came back and, and I was so angry that nobody ever told me that this school was here. And you're back door. And I'm back door. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And so we sit through some classes. I got to hear guys like Gerald Payton and, and uh, Richard Rogers. And that sold it for me. And we left Harding, came here, went through the program. And originally wanted to be missionaries in Africa. That was our goal. We wanted to go where the need was the greatest. And we believed at that time that the need was the greatest in, in either, either Africa or Mexico City, Mexico. And long story short, someone um, gave a presentation on the Northeast and talked about the 60 million people that were in the Northeast of America, how the percentage of Christianity was like 0.06, something to that effect. Um, and we were like, wait a minute, this is right here. And uh, we took a trip to uh, a campaign in Connecticut, got to walk the streets of Connecticut, baptized 20 some people that weekend, uh, not me, but the whole group. And uh, resultantly, I was like, you know what? We don't have to learn language. We could jump right in. Right. There's 60 million people here who don't know Jesus. What are we doing? And a door opened up to Long Island. So after we graduated, we went to the Roosevelt Freeport Church of Christ to do work. Mm-hmm. Was there for three years. Um, left there, went to Virginia for about six months, came back to Texas. Then from there, went back to New York, to Brooklyn, worked there for 
six years, left there, went to Los Angeles, worked for six years. Then we came to Sunset to begin teaching, was here for right at five years or so, and then was called back to uh, Roosevelt Freeport Church of Christ. So that's our yo-yo. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, from east to west. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, in the middle. And I'd like for you to tell a little bit. I, I caught part of the story. I don't remember if it was back at graduation or when exactly it was. But you were telling a little bit about the story of the, the preacher that was there mm-hmm. at Freeport and, um, and how it came to be that he, I think he specifically wanted you mm-hmm. to, to be his replacement. Yeah. And about, tell a little bit about that transition, what happened with him and yeah. how you came to that. Well, he, he, uh, he was the first ministry um, effort that we'd ever been a part of. And so uh, Maxwell, Walter Maxwell was there and he received us in and we worked with him alongside him. Actually, he was I met him during a campaign, that campaign I was telling you about in the Northeast. We were walking streets together, door knocking together, studying one on one together. So that's how we initially met. He took us on a visit of Long Island. We got the chance to see New York. He took us into the city, the whole nine. And then we made the decision to go there and be a part of that ministry. And we were there for three years, worked together Um and originally he was saying, I want you to take the baton from me, so on and so forth. Things didn't work out at that time. And so we parted ways and I went to Virginia, Brooklyn, Los Angeles. And then he came up one time and said, I'm preparing to retire. And um, I want you to be the guy to take the baton. I've always believed in you, so on and so forth. And I think that God is moving this direction and that ended up being the way we redeveloped that communication. We talked through some things that we hadn't resolved before. And lo and behold, God opened up all of the doors and we walked through. And as you have seen, obviously, in traveling back and forth from the East Coast to the West Coast, and especially cities like Los Angeles and Long Island and everywhere, it's, it's not just in big cities. But I know you're aware of, because I've heard you talk about the deterioration of our culture. Yeah. And as I have traveled from congregation to congregation and working with various groups of leadership, uh, congregations that have no leadership and, and all that goes along with that, how would you describe how the deterioration of our culture over the last maybe 10, 15 or 20 years has impacted the leadership that does exist and that maybe has impacted the lack of leadership that exists in, in the congregations of the Lord's Church today. Yeah. Now, by culture, do you mean American culture or church culture? American culture. Yeah. I, I would think that there's been a, a severe uh, effect of the culture on the church. And largely because I think generationally we've not done a strong We've not made a strong push to disciple intrinsically. We've we've done a lot of church growth type things where we are interested in numbers, but not a whole lot of interest in the replication of leadership or robust, fully formed disciples within the church. And as a result of it, I think that we've missed that generational interim to pass the baton down because we have not been passing the character down. And as a result of it, where there's been a lack of discipleship from leaders downward, there's been a tremendous amount of discipleship from culture inward. 
And so we end up having a lot of our young people enculturated their thinking, their ambition, their character, their uh, interest have been more outward focused. And so now we're trying to rein them in. Hence the extreme church growth gimmicks. Let's get more bells and whistles. Let's do let's involve lights. Let's involve the fog machines. Let's involve the praise teams. Let's involve the instruments. Let's involve so on and so forth. All trying to capture attention when character is the issue, I believe. And because of that deterioration, the 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 swing or the extremes are just going worse more and more. And I, I believe that part of the the struggle with leaders now is that fundamentally they are reaching for reactionarily reaching for the next thing to grab the attention and not fundamentally saying that it's all about character development and that extreme, that reaction is just going to cause more of the same. I believe instead of us just saying, let's stop, let's not be reactionary. Let's get back to grassroots. Let's cultivate them one by one. Let's cultivate those that are seeking. Let's develop them and let God do the rest. That's a hard thing to follow or hard thing to buy into for leaders, especially young leaders, because young leaders want immediate gratification. Old leaders suffer from the desperation of not having a legacy. And so those two extremes are are right there. And uh, yet the need for trusting the pattern and trusting the principles of Scripture remain resonant. You know, I've, I don't know, it's been several years ago I did some study and uh, basically looking at the president who served the longest during each decade, all the way back to the 1920s, 100 years. And so I looked at each of those decades from 1920 to the present. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at each of the presidents that served the longest during that decade. And I wanted to look at what were the conditions of our country and our world, as they were described, and how was leadership defined? Yeah during that culture or that time. And uh, it was a very fascinating study because as I went from one decade to the next, it, was, it seemed as though very much reactionary as you're describing that the, the leadership of our country was defined based upon what was going on either in our particular country or what was going on in the world. And so the leadership or the definition of leadership changed from one decade to the next, even down to the present. Mm-hmm. And so I, the question I kept coming back to was, okay, did culture influence the definition and direction of leadership, or was it the leadership that was involved in dictating and defining the direction of our culture? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe in some ways it's both, but you know, I, I see that in the church. Yeah. And the church has become, like you said, very reactionary and it has it's like this pendulum swing from you know 75 years ago and the way the culture was then and the car, and the church seemed to mimic mm-hmm. the direction of this is you know we wanted faith and reason book chapter and verse and and we've seen that shift now as the culture has been influenced through the 60s and 70s and we've entered into a much more postmodern or emerging mindset culture yeah. and and it's like the church and the leadership of the church has has become reactionary to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree, and, and and then if you add the um, the generational element of not having that builder solidarity group in place that would pour out or pour down the things that made them loyal, the things that made them respectful for authority, the things that made them uh, 
be okay with delayed gratification to that boomer group who is looking up and wondering when they're going to get their shot at liberation yeah. or the extra group that says, yo, where are my parents? And then the millennials that are over supervised and have a real radical sense of self-affirmation and certainly are um, a lot more confident in themselves, yet they don't have the skill set to handle problems right. to the Z's that are going, you guys aren't doing what you say you're going to do. Generationally, you have all these extremes that, yes. that, are, that are coming together and don't have that basic thread of discipleship formation, spiritual formation, as it were, that's consistent. And so we end up having a, a church that is just as up and down, just as radical, just as, as um, uh, unsure throughout the entire nation. And consistently, I think the, the men who have served in leadership positions that are older because they were from a different generation and they, they've seen the deterioration of, of really the mindset within many of our younger generations. And they don't want to turn loose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't want to give it over to them. And yet they don't know how to work with them right. uh, in order to prepare them to be able to do that and yeah. to lead yeah. in the church. And, and it kind of leads to uh, maybe the last question we'll have an opportunity or time to cover here. But what would you suggest to leaders in the church today that they need to know or maybe do in response to this deterioration that's taking place and the influence that it's had on the church mm -hmm. and how to maybe turn this around in a direction that's going to help prepare um, the next generation to serve and be ready to serve when yeah. that time comes. I think I think that you you kind of alluded to it. Um, fundamentally, I believe that everything in the Lord's church, in one way or another, is relationally uh, founded. I don't think that there's any real intrinsic leadership model, or discipleship model, or family model that's separate and apart from the importance of a relationship. Jesus. The first thing he does is chooses a group of individuals who he can relationally pour himself into. Right. And he didn't try to do masses. He, he, he started in in a small nucleus. He had the three, he had the 12, he had the, uh, the 72. And I think that it's that notion of being content with the three and content with the 12 that will make leaders realize or would help leaders to realize that the 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 uh, synergy that can come from significance in the small um, will will show itself. It'll echo in ways that you can't see. But that's vision. The ability to have a global mentality, but be OK with a small unit is visionary because you're seeing seed like potential. And I think that that's what leaders have to be content with relationships. Number one, then and then in those relationships, just making it your aim to say, I'm going to cultivate three. I'm going to cultivate whoever will receive it. And I'm going to pour everything I have into them, knowing the import of what's going to happen from that small mentality. And if you can, if you can begin to relationally connect and do the heavy lifting of a relationship, meaning that I will approach you and I know I don't, I'm not like you. I will accept you as you are. And I know you're different. You like different music. You like different things. You like up tempo. I'm okay with the slow. You like, um, you, you like technology. I still like paper. You know, you know, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. Being okay with accepting where they are and acknowledging the common denominator of Christ. If the relational fabric can be there, then what's going to happen as a result of it is you're going to end up having more transparency, 
more interwoven truthfulness in a relationship, in the in the connection that will allow for what you want to be in that next generation to be received. This generation or these last two generations have a base mentality that says you've got to earn the right to be heard. So they're not hearing you unless you've earned that right. And once you've earned that right to be heard, they will listen to anything and they will replicate it. They'll replicate it in ways we can't imagine. This is an age where the millennials and the Z's, for instance, are multitaskers to par none, par excellence, as you say. And because of that, the, the groups before them, Xers, boomers, builders should look at that and go, man, imagine what I can do if I can pour into one of them significantly, they're going to touch myriad. (laughs) If I can just grab one. And so being content with saying, I may not grab a hundred. I may not have 50, but if I can get three, if I can get one to three, that's at least that that's infinite. What I can do with that. And I think that that's going to be fundamental. So I think relationship is key. Number one. And then number two, being okay with saying, that my legacy may not look like what I want it to look like. But if I can just be content with modeling what Jesus modeled, sky's the limit on what can happen. Um, so those will be the two, I think, contentment and relationship. And, you know, if we trust God to do what yep. he said he would do, yep. then following those two pieces, sky's it, the limit. it yep. will. I mean, it'll exponentially grow in, yeah. in a culture that is mm-hmm. designed for that. I mean, the tools we have at our fingertips are immeasurable Absolutely. as to the reach of what Absolutely. we can do with that. And, I, and that seed concept is such a difficult thing for in an American mentality because we want instant gratification and everything for us is big, big. And that's not necessarily bad, but we've got to start buying into big from seed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're very impatient when it yes, comes we from are. seed to fruit. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and, it, and it is going to take time. It, it's been interesting to me that we didn't get where we are mm-hmm. in a short period of time. I mean, right. this has been decades building to or deteriorating to where we are. Right. And, and we're not going to build out of that in, in six months. It's, that's right. It's going to have to require of us the patience that's needed to really mentor and work with that small group mm-hmm. and allow them to begin to work with their generation to influence them. That's right. And that relationship, if it's really built, then when they start going through turbulence, they will know that they've got They've got a historical anchor they can yeah. they can easily rely on. Yeah, yeah, and that's great. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, appreciate the time. Absolutely uh, to to be here. Uh, to just let everyone know, we're we're going to have another salt cast and uh, and visit with you some more on some other areas that I'd like to explore. But I appreciate the time uh, working with us today and and talking through some of these issues. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in uh, again. I'm Bob Turner. I work with Salt, the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training. And we appreciate you tuning in to the podcast and hope that you'll join us next week as we continue our discussion with uh, Brother Thomas.